0: So my name is Abhinav Agarwal, and I will be your MC for the next uh, for these two book launch events. So with that, let's get started. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome all of you here for this book launch event, and we have two book launches today. The first one is Twenty Six Eleven Unforgiven by Lieutenant Manish Jethi, who we have here, and the second one is Operation Jawahar: A Love Story by. Professor Ashay Banerjee. So, I will. What I will do is I will read out a few introductions about the the Indic Academy and the Indic Book Club, just to give you a sense of uh, what is it that we do and uh, and how you can be a part of it and contribute to it. So, Indic Academy is a platform for public intellectuals to discover their potential, transform them as thought leaders, and to. Nurture them to become social entrepreneurs. Indic Academy incubates, invests, and assists social enterprises which deliver a product, service, or an experience that is based on Indic Talk. Its work spans scholarships and grants, courses and programs, networks and platforms, and you can visit their website at indicacademy.org or follow them on Twitter at Indic Academy. And the Centre for Indic Writers and, in, and the Indic Book Club seeks to identify, encourage and uh, promote and uh, grow authors writing about India and the world, for India and the world and we are invested in the journey of these writers and work with them through various stages, uh, right from if they have an idea all the way to helping them conceptualise and bring it to market. Okay. And you can follow us at uh, our website which is uh, www.indianbookclub.com, or follow us on Twitter at the Book Club. So with that, let us start with the, uh, with uh, uh, with Lieutenant Colonel Manish Jejri. So he is, he retired from the Indian Army and he served as a Lieutenant Colonel for, and he was with the army for more than 20 years. Most of it was spent in Jammu and Kashmir. Not for terrorism, mind you. He also in 1995 served in the Siachen Dresher and uh, he has seen action against uh, our dear neighbors uh, Pakistan and Puri, Akhnoor and the Gureh sectors and during the Cardinal War he was deployed in Baranga. and he was also seen in action against the Chinese uh, in the Ladakh Scouts. He has also served in Rajasthan, Punjab and has had a stint at the army headquarters as well. And he retired from the army about 7 years ago in January 2012. After that he went and also he is an alumnus of the Indian Institute of Management at Engdavan. And he worked
1: in the corporate sector for a few years, so he took a full time retirement to pursue his passion for writing.
0: His first book that came out a couple of years ago was uh, uh, centered around that infamous uh, episode at uh, Jawaharlal Nehru University for which uh, people like us every year contribute uh, hundreds of crores of rupees so that they can pursue their noble endeavors there. Uh, the book was titled Oh My Gods and his uh, latest book that we are very excited to launch is "26/11 Unforgiven. It's a work of fiction based on the very real and tragic events of 2611-2008. So, with that, I would like to invite Dr. Uh, Manish Chetty. Now, <clears throat> if you look at any society, it has a lot of different people performing different tasks, right? One of them is what we have known as the Kshatriyas, the warriors, the knights in Europe and so on. And what did the Kshatriya do? What did the soldier do? Right? He defended our borders of any nation, of any kingdom, of any country. And what does defending your physical borders do? It creates space for a country to form. It provides the physical boundaries, it protects the physical boundaries of a nation that allows what is inside to form, to grow, to nurture. And people like Lefman and Monish Jeffrey have devoted their lives to doing exactly that. It's a separate question what we who are responsible for creating the shape of our nation spiritually, intellectually and otherwise do with that freedom. But that's a separate question. Our chief guest, it it is a fascinating journey that I am sure she will uh, share some of those insights with us, but uh, Ms. Sai Surupa was an analyst with a venture capital firm working with Excel spreadsheets, that is perhaps one of the most exciting things that one learns and does uh, in the corporate lives. And her interests have included startups, economics, Carnatic uh, music, philosophy, politics, history and, and literature of for India. Fortunately enough, thankfully enough, she's also won a state-level gold medal from the, Tirupala, the Tirupati Tirupala Devasthanam in rendering and she holds an MBA from the Indian Institute of Technology at the Kharagpur. Her first book came out in 2005. It was named Avaya. 2015, sorry, which was named Abhya and it uh, revolves around uh, this character named Abhya and is set uh, around and centers around the Dharaj And she followed that up with another female-centric uh, uh, novel named Avishi that was centered around uh, being a Vedic character by the name of Vishwala. And it uh, was probably, it was a, a fabulous bestseller, and a third one which came out, I believe, last year, yes. 2018. Since we are in uh, the, that year, 2018, uh, is named Mori, and I think within 24 hours of its release, it had climbed up to the number one, uh, you know, bestseller list in its categories. For some time, at least outselling with even the likes of Amish Tripathi uh, and others. So. No mean achievement, and just to put it in perspective, and just to put it in perspective, her first book Aria, was self-published through Amazon's Kindle uh, direct publishing platform. And as she has uh, mentioned in one of her interviews, it took uh, several months for it to sell, uh, you know, about one thousand copies via uh, Kindle. But her first book reached that milestone in a matter of days. So uh, truly, truly, uh, you know, fabulous uh, achievement. And her uh, book, Abushi is, uh, I'm you know so happy to have read and to share with you if you want already there, is that it's been acquired by a studio and work is in progress to bring uh, that story to the big screen. And it was called out by First Post as one of uh, the five trends that shaped Hindi cinema in 2018. So with that, I'd like to invite Sai uh, to sent to India's financial capital for where for a period of 48 hours they ran amok in the city killing more than 150 people and bad as it was what is even more tragic is that 10 years after that event we still do not have closure. The people who supported them all but one terrorist were killed by by the Indian police forces uh, during that uh, raid and uh, one lone surviving terrorist, thanks to the incredible bravery of uh, uh, Tukaram Omle, who laid his life down but managed to capture that lone terrorist, did spoil a lot of other plans that had probably been hatched around that uh, terrorist event. But the people who supported, financed and uh, basically drove that operation from Karachi to still roam free. So, Colonel Jethi's book is a fictional, is a work of fiction but based on those very real events and it tells a story of uh, Vikrant who loses his wife and daughter in uh, the attacks on the, on the Taj Hotel. And after a period of recovery, he cannot reconcile himself to the fact that uh, there has been no closure, there has been no justice. And slowly but surely what and how he leads up to to coming up with this plan and devising a plan and putting it into action is uh, one written, written story. I do wish we did not have to call it a work of fiction, but it is what it is. So with that I'd like to invite Jennifer uh, to please uh, to say a few words about the book, about his motivations as to what him to write it and uh, what should we, the reader, take away from on that wonderful book.
1: Thank you, thank you,
2: Abhinav. First of all, Uh, thank you, uh, Indic Academy. Thank you, Sai. Thank you for coming and uh, doing the honors. Thank you you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shashi. Very good. Uh, Thanks. Uh, uh, Thank you, Indic Academy. It's uh, it's fantastic. The kind of work Indic Academy is doing is incredible. And those of you who are are unfamiliar, Abhinav has given a little bit about it. I'd like to check it out on Facebook, Twitter, etc. So you will be opener, and uh, you will be, will uh, be uh, intellectually richer if you uh, interact with uh, in the academy. Like, uh, uh, The book months Unforgiven. Well, it's about uh, the attacks in 2008, Mumbai. You know, like Bangalore, is also a city of dreams. People come from all over the place. To uh, to Bangalore uh, to Mumbai uh, with dreams in their eyes and uh, they want to fulfil their dreams and many of them succeed and uh, the locals as well as these people from outside who come to Mumbai uh, they've made Mumbai a place which is uh, which has an identity of its own and uh, uh, this identity actually uh, is not just in India itself but in, India, it's in India, throughout the world, but sometimes this identity becomes a problem, becomes the issue itself. Uh, the enemies of the country believe that if they hurt this identity, they can hurt the nation, which is right. If they hurt Mumbai, it reflects very poorly on the nation, it half the nation, the political uh, capital of the country may be in vain, but Mumbai is the financial capital of the uh, country. So any harm which comes to Mumbai reflects very poorly on the nation. And this is exactly what the, uh, the terrorists aim to do. Now, if we see uh, the kind of attacks that have been that have taken place in, uh, on Mumbai, right from 92 onwards there were train blasts. Uh, 93 there were train blasts. There was a, a train blast in 2003 and 2006 series of train loss and then bomb loss in, in
1: 2006
2: and 2011 there were 3 loss in Jagali Bazaar and I have not talked of 26 in this. In all of this, more than a thousand odd lives were lost uh, on these, uh, in these attacks on Mumbai only. So what is the reason that Mumbai has been attacked time and again? Why is it that we have not been able to stop these Terrorists from targeting Mumbai. And not just Mumbai, there have been attacks all over the country during that period, if you see those two decades. There were attacks all around the country. So, what is the prime reason why we were not able to stop these people from targeting our innocent citizens? And the most important reason is that that is the only reason why these terrorists felt that they would attack us, uh, kill our innocent citizens, and get away with it. Yes, we have caught some people, some individual uh, foot soldiers we have caught, but they are, they don't mean anything at all, because the actual planners, the actual people who are plotting against the nation are sitting comfortably in Mumbai, they uh, are comfortably in Pakistan, We it uh, officing, We Dawoodi ibrahim Zakir Imam Lahvi or Tiger Wibhul. All these people are sitting comfortably in, in, in Pakistan and plotting against us. And as far as giving a reply, befitting a fitting reply is concerned, there is a very short window of about a month or maximum a month and a half during which you can give a reply to those people. And I don't mean individuals in this, I mean the nation as such. It's only one one and a half months. Like, for example, when 9 11 happened, within three weeks, operations against Taliban in Afghanistan were launched by America. When Uri attacks happened, we launched our surgical strikes within two weeks of those surgical strikes. Now, that is a befitting reply. After this period is over, it is You can only see justice for those people and the next of kin. But unfortunately, uh, even uh, after 10 years, you know, it's 2019 now. Even after more than 10 years, uh, those people, the next of kin, have not been given justice. Uh, And what to talk of justice? Now if you read uh, if you read the newspaper during the uh, 10th anniversary, they were talking of forgiveness, moving on, uh, and stuff like that. In Mumbai also, on 26-11, 2018, a program was held. And the main theme was forgiveness, moving on. Now, at what level are we talking about? At what level are we talking about forgiveness and moving on? Are we talking about at an individual level or are we talking about this at the national level because if it is a, at an individual level one can understand that yes somebody who is a mumbaiker or somebody who has lost his loved one in 2008 now feels that it has
1: been a long time 10 years is a pretty long time and it is fair that that person say that okay
2: let's move on with life we can't keep getting stuck uh, in the past but as a nation as a nation, can we say, forgive, forgive, forgive move on, goi baati, chalta hai, ho gaya, ho gaya, can we do that as a nation? Well, I don't think so. As a Fauji, I don't think we can uh, ever say that, uh, that we can just move on. And, just, I mean, when we do that as say that move forget. What will those guys say in Afghanistan in Pakistan, think? They will say that these are cowards, these people are weaklings. they need to be attacked again and again. Till such time, they are obliterated, and that's exactly what uh, uh, they are planning. Let's have no doubt about it. Those Hafiz Saeed and zakir Orahman, and Tiger Memon and Dawoodi Krahim, they are planning destruction of India. Let us have no doubt about it. And forgiveness, ya maafi un loko ko dee jaati hai jisne haad jord
1: karke maafi maagi hoi. Ki
2: haa bai yomche galti hoi, aage se meek hai. Has Hafiz Sayyid or anybody of those, any of those there uh, asked for forgiveness? Has yes, Pakistan asked for forgiveness? So what forgiveness and moving on are we talking about? And Ajmal Kasab ne maafi maagi thi, he asked for forgiveness. We didn't have even go. And rightly so. After killing hundreds, more than 150 people and injuring many hundred more, maafi mangna or maafi dena, though it has no meaning, So, and in any case, Kasa had come here to die. He was supposed to have died. That's what the perpetrators of 2611 wanted, Kasab zinda na And that is where, as Abhinav pointed out, uh, Constable Dukaram Komle, and it's uh, very heartening to note that uh, Constable Dukaram Komle was an ex Yeah, so uh, it is, uh, had it not been for him, the entire uh, planning or entire uh, thing to blame it on the that would have succeeded. It, they would not have, uh, uh, in the end, they would have found out uh, that yes, they are all from Pakistan. But the initial initial blame, that would have been exploited for, for reasons we all know very well. And you know, when this man was hanged, when Ajmal Kasab was hanged, I don't know about you guys, but in school, it was absolutely fair and absolutely just. Man was but there are people for whom, who have lost their loved ones, they, they still want justice. There are people who have not moved on. And that's exactly the reason why I wrote this book. Because as a clergy, I believe that there has to be a closure to the wounds. There has to be a closure to 26-11 which till date has not happened. And this is my attempt to find that closure for those loved ones, uh, for those who lost their loved ones in these attacks. And it is a story like Aminab mentioned, there's a story about a person who uses his uh, wife and daughter in these attacks. And then he is looking for uh, closure, but that doesn't happen. So what does he do? This is basically that story. Now I'll read out a few lines. Now uh, in this he's trying to understand As to what exactly is the problem? Why are we getting attacked over and over again? And he is talking to someone who is uh, a general in the army. So he asks, Uncle, is Kashmir so important to us that we keep sacrificing our people over and over again for it? Now many of us believe that Kashmir is the most important issue between India and Pakistan. Is Kashmir so important to us that we keep sacrificing our people over and over again for it? General Prabhakar looked surprised. Uncle, we must have lost thousands of lives since 1947 because of it, haven't we? The general got I can understand why you are saying this, but that's not the solution to the problem. That's not what proud nations do. They don't give territory away just because someone is asking for it. The crowd remained silent. More There will be peace between India and Pakistan even if we give Kashmir to them. Vikrant was listening intentionally. No, my boy. There won't be any peace between us even after that. Pakistan will then get more and more and will start asking for something else. You see, their whole aim is to hoist their flag on the Red Fort in Delhi. You need to understand this important fact. This is true. They call it Ghazwai and let us not be fooled by all their peace overtures or the, what they keep trying to do, like the Kartabu corridor which they, tried, uh, they you know, uh, kind of said that we have won peace with India, but actually it is, it is not. The crowd was surprised. It seemed like a far-fetched idea. If we do not want to give Kashmir to them, then why haven't we solved this problem in the last so many years? We have fought four wars with them. And yet, we have not been able to resolve this issue. This doesn't show our forces in a very good light, does it? Vicky, for your information, we have not fought a single war with Pakistan for Kashmir. We have not fought a single war with Pakistan for Kashmir. Vikram was surprised. What? What are you saying? I don't get it. It's true that we have fought four wars with Pakistan. But we have been only reacting to Pakistan's actions. Except for 1971, each war happened only because of Pakistan Army's intrusion into our territory. Even in 1971, the first shot was fired by them. Each time, we retaliated and pushed us back. Every war has been initiated by them. What do you mean, uncle? What I mean is that all the wars were initiated by Pakistan. And we have never attacked Pakistan on our own. So why did we finish the job when we had them on the ropes? We think you first need to understand how things happen. Like I said, in 1947, 65, and 1999, that is clear. It was Pakistan who started the war. They were well-prepared,
1: and as a result,
2: they initially gained some ground in each case. But then they struck back swiftly and countered them. Not only did we recover lost ground, we even made some gains. In all these wars, we could have defeated Pakistan comprehensively. But unfortunately, each time, as we started making gains, our political leaders accepted a ceasefire. They don't understand that wars should not be stopped but allowed to come to their logical end. Sometimes, you need the war to run its course. By stopping it in the middle, you only prolong the pain. Had our leaders not agreed on those ceasefires, the Kashmir problem would have been solved a long time ago. The agreed with the general, wars need to be ended, not just stopped. Think about it, there's a major difference between the two, between stopping the war and ending the war. Think about it Vicky, if United Nations was around during the Second World War, They would have surely stopped the war in the middle. This would have allowed Hitler to remain in power for many more years, and God only knows how many more people he would have gone and killed. The general said, I understand your point, uncle. But then, why did our leader accept the ceasefire? The general took a deep breath. That was mainly because of the pressure of the bigger powers of the world. Every time they started losing, Pakistan would beg the US. China or even Russia to intervene and somehow stop the war. That's their thing. They start every war and then, when they start losing, they start whining and crying for help. In fact, the Pakistani forces have never won any war for their country, but they still don't accept the defeat. They have never won any war till date. But what about 1971 until? We had them at our mercy, why didn't we finish the job then? After we had won the war in Bangladesh and had more than 90,000 Pakistani prisoners of war, why didn't we force them to vacate Kashmir before we return those prisoners? Asked the A logical question. That's a very good question, really. Unfortunately, it can only be answered by Indra And she is no longer around to do that. Maybe there was international pressure on her to of the protocols of the Geneva Convention. We don't really know. Isn't it ironical that we finished the war on our eastern border for the benefit of Bangladeshis, but we didn't do it for ourselves on the western border? You're right, Ricky, It's ironical as well as sad. You see, the army won the war, but Indira Gandhi lost it in Srimna on the day. So what now uncle, what is the way forward? You've just said it. We need to finish the war on our western front. We need to defeat them comprehensively. There's no other way. I'll stop over here and leave the rest of it for you to find out by reading the book. Um, (coughs) Thank you uh, so much. Thank you Abedal, thank you.
0: Thank you, Colonel that. that was a very interesting passage and as I read the book that was one of the things that stuck with me. It's a question that we have not asked our leaders and our leaders have never answered that question. Why is it that we have given up all the gains that our army gets for us at the negotiating table? Yes, we all like to be seen as good people in the eyes of the world but surely there has to be a limit to the I'll use this phrase, the Mahatma syndrome that affects all our political leaders. So, uh, one is the book, both books that are being launched today are available for you to purchase copies of at the back. So, anytime, please uh, feel free to do so. Uh, and that is also one way of, of uh, uh, supporting uh, Indic authors. Uh, the second is, uh, I will... Uh, before we, uh, I am sure you have questions about the book, about, uh, uh, about life in the army and also you know any other questions you might have about the JT. But before that, I would like to invite Sai to say a few words and bring the perspective to, to the book. Namaste, Jai Shikram. It feels
3: surreal, and it's still to sink into me what's happening today. Uh, I still remember Manishi when uh, the war at Karal was on. I was in high school. My best friend here will remember. We were organizing marches, prayer meets, and a lot of such uh congregations to pray for the success of our soldiers, our army at the borders and I still remember that vividly and now it feels so surreal and it's my total privilege to, to inaugurate a book written by a man who has fought in that war. It's okay, it'll take time to sink to me. And I had uh interesting encounter with a gentleman from the army uh, who taught me what passion and commitment is. Uh, this was during the time uh, during my Karakpur days uh, when I was studying MBA. So I started talking to this person. We, it was in some fest. We were waiting for some concerts to begin and I started talking to this person in the army came to this, what are your interests? I said, I read and uh, uh, what are the books that you read? Uh, Mahabharata came like the first thing out of my own. Oh, interesting, we don't, we don't, I don't meet many people who read Mahabharata. No, that's my passion. I <coughs> said, are you sure? Yes, because I thought, you know, reading uh, Amachitra Chitrakata Rajaji, Kamla and parts of Tm really counted for passion. At that time. No. I think it's your hobby, but it's not your passion. How how can you say that? Because for me it's like people from Mahabharata are like my extended family and like someone saying that's not my passion is. So if it was really your passion, you would not sit here talking to me, you would have made yourself invisible in some corner of this auditorium and you would be reading whatever you find on Mahabharata. Whatever, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, you would not give excuse of academics, you would not give excuse of family, you would not give excuse of job, but you would be staying true to your passion. That is passion. Then I realized that is the passion and commitment of the Indian Defence Forces and that is the reason that is keeping us safe all this why. And that same amount of passion and commitment I encountered when I was reading passages from Phantasy Unforgiven. So please buy and read and leave reviews on the book. Please uh, recommend it to your like-minded and unlike-minded friends. <laughs> it's a privilege uh, that's made possible because of uh, Indic Academy. I am very thankful to Indica Academy. Uh, I urge you all to follow Indica Academy on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Indie Book Club is Indian Goodreads, right? Actually, Goodreads. So please uh, make your reading list popularize it because uh, reading and uh, spreading the narrative of what is what actually represents India is something we all need to contribute. It's not to support Indic Academy or support Indic Book Club as such, but it is to support Indian Civilization. It is to support what our ancestors have stood for. It is to support what our children will cling on to tomorrow. So please read, please be a part of this building of narrative.
0: So, uh, will open this up for q if you have any uh, questions for the JT or uh, for site, please uh, ask them we'll, uh, um, yes ma'am you mentioned either inappropriate retaliation or delayed retaliation that kind
1: of meaning so that is uh, clearly a frustration for the
3: army But given the fact that structurally we are under the army is under the political system how do you think the political system
2: be more sensitive to the army and not stop rather than end words. See, uh, I believe that often uh, these, these things are, are being, I will tell you, uh, the rate uh, incident, I will say then after 2008, uh, this incident happened. About 10 days after that, after that time I was posted in the army headquarters. And for some work, And For some work, I had to. Um, I was uh, in uh, Amsterdam for some work, and I was checking in uh, to the hotel. And um, uh, I gave the passport. There was the an old couple, one old lady and uh, uh, the hospital, They were. Uh, they checked in after me, and uh, so uh, they when they asked profession, etc. I said I mean, I mean, Probably they must have heard about it. While we were going, uh, while we were in the lift, that old lady, she probably did not understand much of English. But she still said, what did you do? And 9/11 had happened just a few days back. What did you do about 9/11 Attack on Mumbai? I, I didn't have an answer. And she said, conference. One old lady, whom I had never met, said cowards to me on my face. And I went into my room and I cried. Because that's exactly what it made us look like. We have taken our softness or our good nature, or good-heartedness to a level where people actually make fun of you. They laugh at you. But often, I I believe uh, the current regime is aware of, will not take things lying down. The surgical strikes, uh, if you see, they achieved something, like I said, they were launched within a couple of weeks. And if you see how many terrorist attacks have taken place in this country in the last few years, and especially after the surgical strikes, now, that is what happens. If the the army has been capable ever since we had it, it is only the will of the political leaders that you know, makes or breaks a nation. The army will do what it has to, but it is told by the political. So uh, I think uh, we are now progressing uh, on the right in the right direction, and people are getting the message. Secondly, if you if you see uh, Doglang, uh, uh, Abhinav I have mentioned, uh, I have served in Ladakh Scouts as well. Now in Ladakh Scouts also, uh, I noticed the you know belligerence of these Chinese people, and uh, this is. The, this is what the Chinese try to do. It is called salami slicing. Thoda sa se, don't do too much. and thoda sa se This is what they do. It's called salami slicing. So uh, in Dokla, uh the government said the army had always been prepared, but I don't know if you uh, are aware about the or. Uh, the importance of the area of Doklam. If Doklam is taken or is given away, within a few months you will see that the entire northeast, there is when you pass through that area, it is only about twenty-five odd kilometers of stretch, which is it separates China and Bangladesh. Another most part. So, Doklam is given away or is taken by China. I am very sure that uh, there should not be any doubt in anybody's mind that China will try and take away uh, the entire East So, uh, but the government put its foot down and that was so, so very heartening to see. But China is not Pakistan. China is a much larger part. But in the end, it was the Chinese who blinked. So once you put your foot down, the others understand that this is not a... Over. But this is not a cake that you can, uh, you know, uh, uh, bulldoze your way through. That's not going to happen. So I think you're moving in the right direction. Thank you.
1: I had a comment, kind
4: uh, to comment this. I was recently talking, uh, talking philosophy with a
1: okay. philosophy with
4: a leader, and he had some deep insights. So I asked him what was he reading. I consider myself well read, but he was talking you know, quite deep. So he mentioned that he was reading this 8th century philosopher from Kashmir. His name is Abhinav Gupta. And he has written a series of books. So he was a polymath, he was an author, writer, you know, singer, everything. And uh, I, he in fact recommended that academy Academies published his books and you know, to look at them. But that is the heritage we got from Kashmir. It's not just politics, but a lot that that region has given us. So we just can't part with it. That's the comment. The question is, you know, the after the 26 11, we did not attack Pakistan, but we could have done a lot more, maybe indirectly, For example, like declaring them you a know, terrorist nation. We seem to have this habit of wanting UN to do something or US to do something. So this was well within our ambit. Declare them a terrorist nation, tell nation you want to do business with them, you can't do it with us. So do you does the army feel you know sometimes that the politicians
2: should, should do much more? So, well uh, like I said, the army and the forces as such uh, are uh, they, they, they work under the political leadership and that's the way it should be. It should always be that way, uh, but yes, uh, the, the, after 26 apart from carrying out something like a surgical strike, there are a lot, of, a lot more things which can be done, quite a lot of things which can be done. For example, if you see Pakistan uh, has uh, the, uh, the Arabian Sea, if we cut off we just do a little bit of it and Pakistan will be on its knees. You know, they are no match for our Navy. Our Navy is about 10 times stronger than Pakistan's Navy. Uh, Pakistan does not have an aircraft carrier. We have one, the second one is under uh, construction and there is a third one in the planet. Uh, everything, you know, we are 10 times stronger than Pakistan. That is one thing which you know, can do. Another thing which you can do is uh, uh, Indus Water Treaty. Okay, Indus Water Treaty. About eighty percent of water from the Indus River goes to Pakistan, which is the lifeline of Punjab of Pakistan's Punjab. Eighty percent of water is given to them, and we don't take it. We don't we take very little of it. Why did it happen? And in all these wars, we didn't abrogate, we didn't touch the Indus Water Treaty even once. But that is something which I, you know, when you have to do something, to karna hai to karna hai. Karo toh se karo, nahi karo. We are at war and uh, we still didn't, fir the industrial uh, tour apani diya why? And you know, so this is a, uh, something which is, uh, third example I would give you, place, one brigade in Iran, Iran is our friend and now we have something in Chabahar Chabahar, we have Chabahar and uh, uh, Pakistan, they are just about 50 or kilometers the border is just about 50 or kilometers from Chabahar in Iran place a brigade there, many things can be done so uh, this is for the political leadership, I am sure that the, the, the army, the forces they know what can be done, but it is up to the political leadership to take a stand. One, one very uh, you know something different, but our softened, soft-heartedness, or our lack of decisiveness, I would say, you know, in 1962 war, we lost that war for various reasons. You know, we didn't prepare, Nehru didn't let us prepare, and you will be surprised to know Nehru did not allow. Air Force to be used against the Chinese. We are at war and Nehru stopped the Air Force from being used against the Chinese. What more? We had a very huge advantage as far well as Air Force is concerned. In the sense that at that time China did not have the capability to, they did not have air bases internet. So their air force, the planes had to take off much further south, a few thousand kilometers away, and they did not have that range that they could take off from that area and attack our in Nefa and in northeast or even in in Accenture. They couldn't have done that. They didn't have that capability at that time. We had. So our, our bases in, in northeast as well as in Bengal, our air force could have taken off and our air chiefs was requesting, was pleading actually, ki mujhe do. did not go. Why? Unnho aircraft use ni kiya? use karay? Aap क्या Can you imagine you are at
1: war? uske basme hai.
2: Aap wo And as a result, we lost. We are men, our soldiers who did not have weapons on clothing and ammunition. They were not provided air support, even when they were dying. I mean, that speaks a lot about the political leadership and the will. Thank you. Uh, it's a
5: quite dramatic session. Just I want to note, just uh, two days back I saw that Guli surgical strike, that movie. In that, particularly everybody is speaking about this surgical strike after Guli attacks. But before that, that Myanmar and uh, Bangladesh border, there was a havoc that uh, it has been read by our Indian Army, but it was not so much hype, there was so much talk about. And after that, according to that movie only, I don't know, according to that movie only, after that, that insurgency has come down to an end, almost you can say it's in a nominal state. So why can't such type of tactics, what we did in 2016, after the Kuri attack, can be done in the western border just to contain Pakistan or any other insurgent groups who are trying
2: to uh, get into our territory. But as uh, an army officer I want your suggestion or I want you to view. Uh, you see if you take one action, you can't repeat it. You see you have launched surgical strike. Now Pakistan is aware that this is what we can do. So they are prepared. The element of surprise is the most important thing for the success of such operations. Surgical so, you know, strike, the way this was done, was done uh, was a unique thing. The well, next time, we can do something much more, much more. Like I said, you place uh, a brigade there, and a brigade does something from
1: that side. You
2: know, you attack here, you carry out some stupid action over here, in which we use uh, innocent life, and some Action happens at the Iranian border border. Or you know uh, surgical
1: strike as such, the way
2: we carried out, it has lost the surprise element. This action, similar action, uh, it will not be prudent to repeat it. You know, do something else. You know, now Pakistan knows the heroes the attack or something. But they are more or less prepared for it. So the next time something, if something happens. We should do something different, different and bigger. Hmm. <laughs> Sir, I have a related question. Yeah. Why should we always wait for them to attack? Why can't we just go and do something? I mean, why is it that we have to be a reactionary, you know, like a person? Maybe we should have a own agenda and we should follow through. And... Yeah. <laughs> well, that's exact, that's um, a good question. Now we have started retaliating at least. Now after a point of time, a situation will come like a read out from the book. We have to complete that war. If you think that you know Pakistan be that is not going to come. And uh, we, for to complete that war, it may have to be initiated by us. Okay, I think as far as terrorist attacks are concerned, Pakistan has got the lesson. They, I, I, one can never be sure, but I believe that they will, you know, given the condition that they are in, they are, uh, you know, financially also, they are very badly off. So, at this point of time, they will not try anything stupid. And, You know, uh, we also might like to to just see Pakistan going down the drain, you know, know, uh, there might be a jihadi implosion inside Pakistan, there might be an economic implosion, you know, Chinese are being killed every day, today also there is another Chinese has been killed in uh, Pakistan, so uh, one doesn't know, or it might just happen that one economic implosion will lead to the jihadi implosion, you know, because of economic reasons. The, the jihadis will... Uh, something of the... they have got their lesson. They, have learnt, they are learning their lesson the hard way. And um, uh, at this point of time, to say well, that uh, we need to be a little more careful and let Pakistan go down the drain itself. And when it is doing that, that would be the time we go and do what we have to. Take back the area that isn't there.
5: Sure. Uh, I want to go back to something like you mentioned that we are soft power. In a general sense, I agree. But I want to move away for a minute away from military and recognize that there are forces within this country which we are battling against. I give you three instances, which I'm often surprised when I mention, that a lot of people don't know. Security Council. It was first offered to India, not to China. It was Nehru who said given to our bigger brother, China. Number one. Number two, the Gandhi's time, Lee Kuval gave the founding membership of the ASEAN to India. Again we turn it down. And now we go with the making ball to say East Asia, East Asia, East Asia. So what I'm trying to say is in well, none of these cases the military is involved. But what we are battling against, and that is what I like in Sheikh's blogs all about, it's the recognition of the fact that we are battling Force within the country, and we cannot win anything outside unless we recognize them. And these forces are really entrenched; they are—they are like an octopus. They're everywhere, and each of us standing here and talking will have to assume a much bigger, potent
2: force to to, to act on. Um, actually, I completely agree with you that uh, uh, there are inherent internal forces. Which are inimical to the interests of this country. Who do not want to see us uh, progressing. And uh, the uh, the last book that I wrote was on uh, JNU infamous JNU incident. I have talked about it. And uh, if you if you see uh, and uh, the entire nexus that has created, it is a nexus and it is an ecosystem actually. And not just the nitrous; it is an ecosystem which is entrenched into our uh, political uh, narrative and psyche, which is operating. Uh, I mean, we, we, it is very difficult for us to to see the undersea. I don't know if you have uh, uh, read about natural rights, and and, and uh, if you read about them, it will be very difficult to identify the non-communist. In 1962 war, the Communists in India, the Communist Party of India, supported China. Can you believe that? They should be shot dead. But they didn't support China. So, and in JNU as well as in DU, it was very difficult for anybody (coughs) to become, forget about getting a a professorship or a job in JNU. Uh, it It was very difficult for students to graduate who were not, uh, you know, aligned with the communist ideology. A lot of media, an- you know, uh, anchors, they are uh, aligned with that ideology. Uh, you know, uh, I don't have to name anyone, but uh, if, you, if you see the news, you will find out who is the one who is sympathetic to uh, people like Rahia Kumar and, you know, these guys there. How can anybody say, and get away with it and call to the media, the news channels, and uh, the studios and uh, the interviews. Can you imagine that uh, uh, but the ecosystem uh, will slowly and slowly, uh, you know, uh, things are changing slowly. Arnath Goswami was the one. Uh, who was the first one to challenge the C You know, he didn't realize it, at that point of time what he was doing, but he was he did it inadvertently because he uh, questioned these guys that how can you say Are there at that when this incident happened? And it was that moment which was a reality check for a couple of television
1: channels. <laughs> a
2: couple of television channels, not all. Many of them still remain aligned right with the left, and uh, they, they, they blow things out of the ocean. But it's a, it's a battle, it's a battle which uh, we have to fight, and uh,
1: some more. I believe that we will. Do. We will. Do. Thank you.